Welcome back to Overthinking Movies. I'm your overthinking host, Brandon Hain, and I'm sorry this one took so long to come out, but we are covering every live-action Doctor Strange movie. This episode will contain major spoilers for Doctor Strange 1978, uh, minor spoilers for Doctor Strange 2016, and no spoilers for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Let's get into it. There is a barrier that separates the known from the unknown. Beyond this threshold lies a battleground where forces of good and evil are in eternal conflict. The fate of mankind hangs in the balance and awaits the outcome. In every age and time, some of us are called upon to join the battle. That is the opening text of Doctor Strange. 1978. Made as a pilot for a Doctor Strange live-action TV show, which would be shown alongside the Spider-Man and Incredible Hulk shows, it got poor ratings and bad reviews and naturally was dropped. So what happened, and how was it different from the successful Doctor Strange movies we eventually got? Well, it's a much more traditional origin story. We begin with an evil sorceress named Morgan Le Fay. Yes, the one of Arthurian legend, though this is a different Marvel Comics take on her. Here, she's from the fourth dimension and is given orders from some sort of evil entity to go to Earth and destroy the Sorcerer Supreme, who is preventing her from taking over our dimension. Meanwhile, Doctor Strange, or Doctor Stephen Strange, is a medical doctor, just like in the new movie. However, here he's a psychiatrist in a psychiatric hospital instead of a neurosurgeon. He isn't egotistical either. Now, at the beginning of the movie, they portray him as a womanizer who is involved with and fawned over by multiple nurses at the hospital, and he also makes medical decisions that many of his colleagues disagree with. So you would think these would play into some clear character flaws, but these elements don't really go anywhere after the first act. Once the real love interest is introduced, he suffers no problems pursuing her at all. So how does he get his magic powers? Well, it's not from recovering from an accident, but because he was born as the chosen one to gain them. His parents died in a car crash, later revealed to be them protecting him from Morgan Le Fay, and Doctor Strange is destined to succeed the Sorcerer Supreme as our protector. Now, considering this is running on a 1970s TV show budget, it would obviously not be capable of portraying the dazzling, world-bending CGI of the new movies, so instead, the magic in Doctor Strange 78 is basically the force from Star Wars with more science-like properties. For example, there's a scene where the Sorcerer Supreme meets Doctor Strange in his office, when they are interrupted by another doctor. The Sorcerer Supreme, just like Obi-Wan, waves his hand and says, in a few minutes. The Doctor repeats him, then leaves. When Strange asks what he did to the Doctor, he says, oh, altered the heartbeat and the respiration and lowered the blood pressure a little. It's kind of neat when they explain it in that overly technical way, but mostly it just amounts to mind control and shooting laser beams at each other. This is somewhat balanced out by the actors, who are all giving good, like, committed performances. However, what ultimately fails Doctor Strange 78 is its third act and its script. 
the late, great Jessica Walter, known for Arrested Development and Archer, who we unfortunately lost last year, is perfectly casted in this as Morgan Le Fay, with her intense gaze and commanding voice. However, the script and the writing make her a pretty poor antagonist. She constantly fails at doing little more than inconveniencing Doctor Strange and the Sorcerer Supreme, but the movie actually tries to explain why she's so incompetent. So, when she fails once again, and casts the blame on one of her minions, the evil entity that's giving her orders sees through her and asks her to give him the real truth. She lowers her head and replies, I am still a woman, and the man attracted me, referring to Doctor Strange. I would feel the warmth of a man's arms again, after all these years alone. The evil entity then reminds her of their covenant and the power she was given, showing a reflection of herself as old with white hair to threaten her. He says, Would a mortal man desire you if he saw you as thus? Yet, despite this, he says he will allow her to have Doctor Strange, but only if she will bring him the Sorcerer Supreme. <sighs> So yes, the movie relies on the old tropes of women being motivated by vanity and lust, and their lives centering around a man. I suppose at the time this was their way of giving their villain depth, but the lack of self-awareness left me and the people I've described this movie to rolling our eyes. But, true to her word, Morgan Le Fay captures the Sorcerer Supreme and brings Doctor Strange under her control and power to seduce him. There is actually a nice touch here, where she asks him what he desires, and when she says fortune, she gives Strange his iconic robe and his necklaces. But ultimately, Strange defeats her when... For some reason, she decides to show him where she is keeping the Sorcerer Supreme, and the sight of it knocks Doctor Strange out of the trance she put him under. So then, they shoot laser beams at each other, and it just so happens that Strange's laser beam is for some reason stronger than hers, and he saves the Sorcerer and leaves. Strange begins training to become the new Sorcerer Supreme, and Le Fay loses her power and becomes old and wrinkly forever! until she comes back in a little tease at the end to show that she's fine and she'll be the villain for the TV show. Ugh, I mean, Doctor Strange 1978 isn't without merit. Like I said, the actors are good. And I was with the story until, like, the midway point, so I would have been curious to see if they would have improved it with the planned TV show, but I don't know. The unengaging story and the 70s TV budget effects did not impress audiences and critics at the time, and obviously it did not impress me. Doctor Strange here just wasn't a relatable or interesting character, and unlike, say, Spider-Man, his magic powers are hard to quantify, like you don't understand the limits of them, which makes it difficult to feel any real stakes or danger for Doctor Strange. It was probably for many of these reasons that a live-action Doctor Strange was then shelved for 38 years. Now, for Doctor Strange 2016, I am going to be passing my baton to my friend and co-host and comic book fan, Alex Ulaki, who offered to do a solo review of it. And given that he is more familiar with the comics than I am, I was curious to hear his review. Now, I should note that this review was recorded in April before the release of Multiverse of Madness. Speaking of which, I'll be back after Alex's review with some unscripted, non-spoiler thoughts on Multiverse of Madness. For now, let me take you back in time to the strange world of April 2022 to my friend Alex Ulaki reviewing Doctor Strange 2016. Or, um, that movie with the monk listening to Beyonce? That's how I remember it.
Anyway, um, uh, uh, Alakazam. Hi guys, regular Overthinking Movies co-host Alex Shulaki here to do all the overthinking on this one. Today, we'll be going over 2016's Doctor Strange with its sequel, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, coming right up this May. Provided it doesn't get pushed back again after originally being scheduled for a release date of May 7th, 2021, and then November 5th, 2021. It shouldn't get pushed back again, though. Now, if you don't know, which basically would imply you haven't seen any of the biggest Marvel releases since, like, 2016, Doctor Strange is a Marvel superhero who uses the mystical arts to protect the world from magical and interdimensional type threats. He first appeared in July 1963 in the magazine Strange Tales and was brought to the world thanks to the team of Stan Lee and Steve Ditko, the same pair behind Spider-Man, which makes a lot of sense if you've ever looked closely at their fingers in like the original comics. Some of the hand motions were quite similar, you know, Doctor Strange's spells and Spider-Man's signature way to apply power to his web shooters. Uh, anyway, let's jump into it. A little background before this review. While a comic fan, I have to admit that at the time I jumped into this, about a year ago maybe, I hadn't kept up well with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Basically, I wanted to make sure I was up to date before Spider-Man No Way Home was released as it was apparent Doctor Strange was a plot device in that movie. I was a huge fan at the start of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, starting with 2008's Iron Man, personally my favorite superhero movie. But I found myself keeping up with less and less of the films for a while, particularly as some of the Avengers all-heroes mashups didn't seem to be engaging me as much. I caught up with most of the films past Doctor Strange by the time I actually got around to it. This was just one I'd missed, and I have to say, this was a good one. Like many of the Phase 1 and 2 Marvel films, the character introduction and origin movie tends to be a good one. Doctor Strange, in fact, feels like a mystical retelling of Iron Man. A talented but arrogant man suffers an accident, is prompted to develop powers to help compensate for that accident, and learns lessons along the way. Of course, Strange, he changes even more as a character. You can feel Stephen Strange gain compassion for humanity as he accustoms himself to patience, a patience often associated with the East, uh, from a Western perspective, that is, where this was made. And that brings me to an interesting point, actually, about something I knew and didn't know going into this movie. Though I didn't know a whole lot about the movie going into it, I had heard several times that the Ancient One was a white character in this film rather than an Asian one, as per the original comics. Now, this could arguably be something to make the film seem less racist, because the West, again, has often depicted the East as mystical, and the Ancient One is, like, really mystical. But if you've ever seen the original Doctor Strange comics, the Grand Master, or uh, the Ancient One, is drawn, like, really Asian, like, wouldn't fly today. But I don't think this was what prompted them to make these changes. You could have made this better instead of making it worse. What I really had heard about the change was that it was a marketing strategy. China makes up a huge population of Marvel's market, and having a Tibetan-based leader would have been risky, potentially, because the Chinese government might ban the entire film from release there, given its stance on Tibet. Either way, it's not often that we see a character get whitewashed now. Usually it's quite the opposite. I mean, to be fair, in this movie, they make Baron Mordo, Doctor Strange's comic book arch-nemesis and 
sort of an ally in this film. Uh, they change him from Eastern European character to, to black. I should also note, though, that uh, as far as Asian characters, they did retain Wong, who in the comics, in his uh, early appearances, was Doctor Strange's sidekick and kind of like his valet. Uh, but they made him into a peer and a bit of a mentor here for Strange himself. But yeah, in like the five years that Doctor Strange had been out and I had not seen it, that's what I'd heard about the ancient one. In those five years, though, not once did I actually hear they changed the character to be a woman. British actress Tilda Swinton, who certainly wasn't the original ancient one I'd familiarized myself with from the earlier comics. So that was strange that I heard that had been changed to a white character, but not a female one. Anyway, uh, nonetheless, she does a good job bringing the character to life and introducing Strange to a magical universe. And the magic. The magic in this film is really fun. I mean, I always personally gravitate towards science fiction over magic and fantasy, majorly so, but in this film, it's really cool. Honestly, the spells and interdimensional rifts are more believable than some of the Thor lore and the other Marvel Universe stuff, so the presence of magic here is not a problem. If you've heard my Godzilla reviews, you know I usually go real hard on computer generation, that in a lot of ways, computer animating every character or every environment can take away a lot more than it adds if you overdo it, or even if you don't do it that much. We can create any world we want, so basically every film now boasts the label visually stunning because we do create the world we want. Doctor Strange is actually visually stunning. What they do is unique and exciting, and I very much enjoyed the colors and effects put into place by the portals and spells. The thing about this visually stunning film is that they aren't just creating another planet or another castle or another spaceship. They're doing really neat things, like there's a doorway with three portals to different parts of the Earth at one time. So from one room, you might see a savanna, a violent ocean, and a mountaintop all in one shot inside of this room through the doorways. And each door can be changed like a television station, and they utilize this in the fighting, throwing one of the bad guys inside and changing the scene to prevent him from coming back. That was cool. Portals are open to like numerous diamond-shaped, constantly rotating doorways, showing other realms or reflections of the main characters. Doctor Strange's initial out-of-body trip is colorful and psychedelic, harking back to some of the weird visual art seen in Marvel's Strange Tales and the following Doctor Strange and Nick Fury comics that stemmed out of that. And like the comics, Doctor Strange leaves his body for a duel in the spirit form. The battling incorporated stimuli to his human form in the physical world, which hampered and aided his spirit form fight. This allowed for a really cool duel, and it ended cleverly, and uh, this movie was full of clever little things that come back at the end. In fact, the whole climax was refreshingly different than a lot of Marvel movies where two armies fight for 25 minutes and that kind of stuff just isn't that stimulating. And also, in the realm of fantasy, a lot of magical duels can feel cheap if some spell or some other thing that they pull out of their butt just happens at the ending and that's it. No, in Doctor Strange, time is emphasized several times as one of the key elements that their magics disrupt. And it doesn't lead up to a cheap ending like in the classic Superman, where Superman just goes back in time to solve his problems after realizing he's lost. If Even if you like the movie, the ending, a lot of people think is pretty cheap, and I'm one of them. I'm not going to exactly spoil the ending if you haven't actually went back to see Doctor Strange yet, but it's unconventional, especially for a superhero movie, and invokes the sacrifice that often is necessary in any magic storytelling. And it's not cheap because they do build up to it without inherently letting you know that they're building up to it. Basically, like I said, they reference time a lot, and that sort of comes into play at the end. Now, it's a bit wonky. It could be a little bit hard to understand, but if you get where they're coming from, it's just a really nice change of pace.
The flaws of this movie are those of any recent Marvel movie. Some of the humor is shoved in because that's the protocol. Some of the humor works and some of it doesn't. Whether it works or not, oftentimes it doesn't feel natural. The main human villains, though plastered with dripping dark makeup around their eyes, aren't particularly memorable. I actually had to look up after the movie that the villain was Kaecilius. That was the name of the main human villain. I didn't even really know that. And it's not the most original story, like I said. It at times feels like a retelling of Iron Man or that same story they've told for a lot of characters. Maybe sort of Ant-Man too. However, the, the good definitely outweighs the bad. As someone who has actually read at least a few issues of uh, most of the characters for the big names in Marvel comics, I can honestly say that I found the Doctor Strange comics to be some of the least engaging, often feeling that the magic in the comics was cheap and thrown in, and they just pull things out of nowhere, leaving me feeling like I couldn't really identify with that much if I were thrown into that situation. And I mean, heads up, I've only read a lot of the earlier comics. They might have got a bit slicker after that point. But again, I've mostly read the earlier comics for a lot of Marvel stuff, and this film is one of the ones that most clearly ups the character from what I've seen. It The movie is better than the original source material. It's solidly good, and I look forward to seeing Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. If you haven't seen Doctor Strange yet, I definitely recommend you go check it out. Multiverse of Madness should be a lot of fun too, especially with all the multiverse of characters they're throwing in there. And yeah, I guess that about concludes this quick review on Doctor Strange. All right, guys. Thank you as always, Alex. That was very informative. I'm happy to know that Doctor Strange did make improvements over its source material. Alright, like I said, this is going to be a short little segment where I'm going to go over my non-spoiler, unscripted opinions on Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. And I have to admit, leading up to this film's release, I didn't have a whole lot of hype for it. I, like Alex, did enjoy Doctor Strange 2016. I thought the magic added a new, interesting element that made it distinct from other Marvel movies, and like Alex said, the way they handle the final battle with the villain is really clever and interesting and doesn't rely on the usual traditional fight scenes. So when a new Doctor Strange was being teased, I wouldn't say I was hyped, but I was mildly interested to see what they would do. My first taste was when I heard the head of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Kevin Feige, say that he was excited for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness because it was going to be the first horror movie of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I was surprised to hear that, not that the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies haven't been dark at times, very dark even, considering the Infinity War films, but the idea of going straight out into horror seems weird for a series of films that usually are made for all ages and mainly made for families and their kids. However, when I began seeing trailers for the movie, particularly the one they show at the end of Spider-Man No Way Home in theaters, my interest in the movie began to dip because it didn't look like a horror film, it just looked like another Doctor Strange movie. However, I was going to reserve my judgment until I saw the final product, and coming out of the theater for Multiverse of Madness, I can say that the whole buildup of it being a horror movie was a lie. It's definitely darker than the average Marvel movie. In terms of violence, this movie goes a lot harder on characters getting cut up and obliterated, as well as tackling darker themes with our characters and especially our villain. But I'd say my overall thoughts on the movie are that it's good. As you can tell by the tone in my voice, I'm not super enthusiastic about it, but I had a good time. 
I would say it's an improvement over the first Doctor Strange. Alex mentioned how the first Doctor Strange had a lot of very forced-in humor, and I can happily say that Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness has humor that is blended better with its characters and its world, though there's not a lot of it because, like I said, it's a darker movie. And I do think it does enough with different universes to earn the multiverse in its title. Like I said in the opening, Doctor Strange is a character I'm usually skeptical about because his magic powers don't really have limits to them. However, this movie doesn't make his magic powers the conflict as much as they do an emotional arc for Strange himself. I once again enjoyed Benedict Cumberbatch as Strange. He's always enjoyable in these movies. And the new character, America, yes, that's literally her name, is a new, fun, interesting character that I thought had good chemistry with Strange. And as you also probably know, Elizabeth Olsen also returns in this movie as Wanda, the Scarlet Witch, fresh off of her pretty successful Disney Plus series, WandaVision. Now, I have not seen WandaVision, but speaking with friends who have, it sounds like it's very divisive in terms of what people think about what they did to Scarlet Witch's character in this movie after WandaVision. For me, who hasn't seen the show, I enjoyed her character. In fact, I thought she was the highlight of this movie. But for my friends who have seen it, one of them liked it, the other really hated it to the point where it tainted the whole movie for them. So I just wanted to give that context for those of you that have seen WandaVision that you may not like or you may enjoy the choices they make here. But overall, would I recommend Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness? If you have interest in seeing this already, I think you'll probably enjoy it. If you're one of those people that have to see every Marvel movie, you'll definitely have a good time with this one. It's one of the better ones I've seen of the non-Spider-Man type in a while. And with that, I'm going to stop here because I promise to keep it short. And also because if I say Multiverse of Madness one more time, I'm actually going to go mad. Thank you for joining Alex and I, and I hope you enjoyed this installment of Overthinking Movies. If you want recommendations for other movies about multiverses... I would of course recommend Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, but you probably already saw that if you're listening to this. So instead, I'm going to recommend you an independent movie that will be out on streaming next week called Everything Everywhere All at Once. Though if you're able to see it in a theater, definitely do that. The story of a Chinese-American mother who inexplicably finds herself caught up in a multiverse war when a different version of her husband from another world comes to inform her that her world will soon be under attack and she must connect with other alternate versions of herself from other worlds and gain their abilities and skills in order to combat this evil as well as see the different paths her life could have taken. It is so far my favorite movie of the year and I highly recommend it. If you have suggestions for other multiverse movies or other movies in general you'd like me to review on this podcast, you can send those to overthinkingmoviespodcast at gmail.com. For more episodes of Overthinking Movies, as well as the other podcasts made by my team of talented co-workers, you can go to goldhitswkva.com, star967.com, and wchx1055.com. You can also find Overthinking Movies on Spotify, Google Podcasts, pretty much anywhere you can find your podcasts. And if you don't see it on your podcast app, let me know. For now, I'll be traveling to the multiverse where the Doctor Strange 1970s movie actually became a TV show. And also, pigs have actually learned to fly. Wish me luck, and that's a wrap. <laughs> <laughs>